What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thank you all so much for joining us again. Thank you for making Coast to Coast your first listen for NBA coverage. Remember, you like what you're hearing, please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. We're also free and available on YouTube. Just search Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. On today's episode, we are looking at a power rankings for the teams ahead of next year. We're looking at the top 10 teams going into the going into next season. We'll also be taking a look at some of the, the young guys and even the young vets at this stage that could jump into the top, top 15 in terms of players. Then we'll finish off with a bit of fun, a nice tier list, and a bit more NBA guess who. But before we get into it, Chris, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm doing well. We got, uh, I think, one more beach day in us here. It's going to be 90 degrees today. So after we record here, you're going to run off to the beach, then uh, head off to good. work. And, and, and even some more surprisingly, it's actually sunny in Ireland as well. It's very, is it? very warm weather over here. Is, too. is this your, and, and can we share your personal news here? Is this your last uh, sunny day in, in Ireland for a while? Yeah, this would be my last, my last recording, my last recording in Ireland for a while, making the, making the move over to New York. So we'll actually finally be recording in the same time zone and, and in the same country for once. Watching NBA games, not at two in the morning is probably going to be good. But yeah, that's going to be super fun. exciting. Look forward to that. Yeah. So we're going to be recording Eastern time, normal time in the future. And uh, this is this is farewell to Irish running game. Hello to New York running game. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, man. Can't wait. But let's get into what we have to discuss then today. The really the important stuff. We're looking at a ranking, power rankings, the top 10 teams. We weren't going to go through all 30 because that could get a bit messy but we're looking at the 10 best teams going into next season so basically what they achieved last year and how they're looking going into this year so let's just start things straight out chris reveal your 10 through 8 teams there all right oh we're going bottom to top okay um i'll say bottom to top is going to be a little bit harder um that's where we're gonna have, i think we'll have a little conversation i i put grizzlies 10 but mavericks 9 in Kings at eight. What say you? Ooh, that is very, very interesting. I, I I'll just reel mine that straight up. I got the Kings at ten, the okay. Knicks at nine, and the Grizzlies at eight. I I can tell you right now, I did not include the Mavericks on my list. I interesting. I look at them as a team that I think if we were doing this this time last year, they hundred percent uh-huh. would have been there. But now, after what happened last year, now it's this is looking at it now. It's kind of like this is kind of the redemption year for Kyrie, like uh, like getting back to being fully committed to a team and actually delivering out there on the court what he's able to deliver, and for Luca in a way too, because he's kind of hit the low point of his career straight after hitting the highest point of his career. How is he going to bounce back? What can they What can they do now moving forward? But. Yeah, they're, they're they're an interesting one. I'm interested that you that you had them in there and I didn't. That's a that's 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 definitely a switch there. Yeah, I mean for for the Mavs, I mean they, they have such a they have potential to be lower. So I I don't I don't totally disagree with the fact that they could be outside of the top ten. That's fine. Um, I think it goes without saying that more experience with Kyrie and Luca together offensively i mean that's that should blossom i think there's so much potential there for what they could do together on the court um and i mean you know grant williams himself is not enough to turn this team into a true contender top five um but i mean they have they have some x factors i mean i i expect that 
Um, they have some rotation guys, not not to even mention Jaden Hardy, what his growth could look like. Um, Justin Holiday, a little bit more solid of a two-way player. Derek Jones Jr. even. I don't think anyone's really talked about him. I mean, he's not a, a guy who's going to win you championship or win you playoff games, but they needed guys like that. Um, a Grant Williams, a Derek Jones Jr., guys who can uh, play that position defensively. Um, and I mean, what what did they get out of rookies? Omax Prosper, Derek Lively. Can, can they can they play some solid minutes? I, I, there's there's more options that they have, and I, I think that you give you give more options, more variability to this team. I think that will tend to go in the right direction when you have a guy like Luca. Um, and this will be what this will be the third time that we see him look like an absolute animal in Europe. And then we're like, oh, he's gonna look so good in the NBA. So I'm I'm not going to necessarily say that that's for sure gonna translate. But again, he looks good in the summer. He looks he looks like he's in shape. He looks really great uh, in FIBA. So um, I'm not gonna put. He, he a blew it for his boys team. there yesterday. Uh, I, I know, I know. It, it's poor timing to record and say that, but but just in terms of physically, um, yeah, yeah. I, I won't put him outside of the top ten with with that opportunity. Yeah, that's fair. But how, like, what sort of gap do you think they have between being just being a playoff team and and like having that magic with obviously Luca and Kyrie, and then like like what if if they were to get a legit rim protector, do you think that would put them up into the echelon of maybe like a team that that are legit title contenders? I mean, not here's the thing, not not necessarily because I I honestly think that um that their game is going to be very different and people are, I, this always brings to mind whenever you talk about having a rim protector and you're like, well, who's going to defend Luca? Who's going to defend 80? Well, no one's going to defend those guys and you have to figure out ways around it. And I think that, um, I mean, those guys I mentioned, Grant Williams, uh, Derek Jones Jr. Uh, and having Maxi Kleber, uh, Rashawn Holmes. I mean, guys that can play small ball, um, Rashawn Holmes being more of a traditional five without maybe the rim protection. But I, I think that they can play good defense switching on the perimeter. And that's what Jason Kidd wants to do with, with those guys. And now they have people to actually do that outside of having Reggie Bullock do it all day long, outside of having had a, uh, um, um, I'm, I'm falling in on his name, who went over to the Nets. Help me out here, Ronan. Yeah, we're talking Finney Smith, huh? Yeah, Finney Smith. It's 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 August. It's September. I can't even remember mm-hmm. Dorian Finney Smith's name. But they they have more guys there, and I, I think that you're not going to see Lively be a starting center the first half of the year. But I mean, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I mean, we we just saw one of the best uh, rim protectors be a rookie last year, so. Maybe you get something out of Derek Lively this year. It won't be full time, but it's it's hopefully just enough. They just need to be a, a top twelve defense. Top oh. twelve. Yeah, that's fair. And then we both both had the Kings on our list, and then uh, the Grizzlies too. What do we think about them? What we think of there? They'll be fine with that without uh, yes. without Jeff for those first time. Oh, we know that. Yeah. That's data driven. That's data driven. We've seen it time and time again. I will say. I will say a very a very uh, difficult thing about them losing um, job right now is that, you know, our track record for him, for the Grizzlies doing well without him is when they had Ty Jones is when they had um, Dylan Brooks and Dylan Brooks just ascends to another level when he's just given the ball all the time. 
Um, and I mean, <laughs> look at him uh, playing for Team Canada, uh, talking smack to Luke Vetsu. But losing those two guys will be tough. But I think that Grizzlies culture, I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. The, the culture of guys they have there, the next man mentality, getting uh, Marcus Smart in there matters. Jaron Jackson Jr., I, I believe he's up for a career year. Um, having young guys who could step into those roles. I, I think that even though one could argue that losing those two guys is a big deal for a team that has been successful without Ja, they still it that stems from the culture, that stems from their program. I don't think that necessarily was unique just to Tyus Jones, even though he's a great player, or Dylan Brooks, even though he's a um, fantastic defender. So what you're trying to say is Losing Dylan Brooks is going to be the biggest regret of the Memphis Grizzlies' life. That's, that's <laughs> Not for twenty million. Not for twenty million. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And it, it would be interesting to see what way they go because obviously, usually when they're without Jazz, it's because of uh, of an injury or just uh, like they're just slowing down a little bit or something like that. It'd be interesting to see like where where Bain looks at it coming into mm-hmm. this year. He kind of comes in and thinks like I'm the guy. The ball's going to be in my hands. Obviously, Marcus Smart's going to be there too. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of impact he has as a as a, as a leader at the start of the season. And will that help or kind of hinder him when he has to kind of take that more of a backseat role once uh once Jack comes back in? It's it's gonna be interesting to see how they how the Grizzlies try and work that work that situation. Yeah, he's I mean, he's gonna play sometimes maybe like a hybrid point. Um, just being a catch and shoot guy for the most part. But I mean, you got D Rose there too to to play a little bit more point. He hasn't played in essentially a year. Um, I don't know what that rest will will look like for a veteran like him replacing Tyus. Um, I know you you still are a believer in Zaire. I think. Yeah, right? yeah. Still, I, still I, I have a little there. faith. I I don't I don't think that I would have expected him to pop last year if he's going to be a serious contributor to this team. But I mean, just being in the rotation. But I I think I can't doubt. Memphis, but who who did you who did you end up putting uh, ten again? No, I had the, I had the Kings at ten, so we both had the Kings in there. I, I had the Knicks at nine. The Knicks, I had the Knicks. That's who there. I need to talk to you about. Well, what what's happening for the Knicks to be better than the Grizzlies? What's happening for them to be better than the Kings? What what's what's changing? I got, I got the Grizzlies at eight. Don't you worry. I got the Grizzlies at eight. My my Knicks are at nine. It's okay. But the the Knicks, this is a big tester year. So we haven't seen this Tibbs, Knicks, Julius Randle-led team do it in back-to-back seasons. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, the, the first year they had that big big jump where Julius Randle was was most improved player. They got back to the playoffs. They're a better team now. They've added Jalen Brunson. They've added a guy like Josh Hart, the, the improvements we've seen from quickly. And you have to say from Randle as well. So... There's big pressure on this team now to see just is, is the Tom Thibodeau formula for how hard he pushes his guys. Is that a sustainable way of playing? Can they do it in back-to-back years, sustain what they did last year, possibly even improve on that? I think Brunson's primed to have a, another big year. If he matches what he did last year, like that would be unbelievable and that will become more of like the, the set level that he's you, you start to expect from him. IQ can have another big jump. RJ Barrett, we're not going to get into that. We know what we're going to get out of, <laughs> out of Josh Hart. Randall can continue to do similar things that he's doing. And a, a couple of the other young guys could could step up and and uh, be a bit more important in terms of the, the overall rotation. So the the pieces are there, the formula are there. It just comes down to can they do this again? Can they do this high-intensity level 
and do it for the second straight year. After a, a great year last year where they got to the second round of the playoffs, the Knicks actually won a playoff series. Unbelievable. Can they yeah, go and do it again? I'm I, I want to I want to believe in in the Knicks. And and I think I'm just I always stop with the with that part that you mentioned there. That that the continuity going year on year and I think the consistency, not from Brunson. I'm fine on Brunson. Um, and, and I'm fine with the young guys too. I'm I'm fine believing that they are going to have some growth, um, which is atypical for Tibbs-led teams. But I, I think just having an offense led by Julius Randle still gives me pause. And mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll really hear that, you know, some, some teams that I had to think about was the Cavs. And even though they beat the Cavs, I mean, just, just the – talent level there and them figuring out after a year I think I'll give a little bit more argument to them figuring out things a little bit more getting more spacing on that team than the Knicks necessarily having the continuity but that's no that's interesting I'm happy that you're putting them in the top 10 because I think this is the first offseason in a minute where those questions that you have there weren't posed as a negative and instead were positive like this is a goal we can achieve and I think that just goes to show that um, they had more consistency this year and even though it's not like the most, even though Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, all that, like that's not the, in my mind, the best formula for a traditional team to work offensively. I mean, they made it work. And Jalen Brunson is one of the best point guards in the league. So I will, you know, I'll take that. I won't argue too much on it. Did you have anyone like just right on the outside on the cusp where like, there's a couple things that maybe you couldn't put them on this list, but you wanted to, or a team that you're thinking could surprise everybody and do that. Just hop right into that 10 spot. I, I may be shocking you right here, but there's three teams that I have not on my list that a couple of months into the season could easily, easily be in this top 10, even in the, even in the top five, I didn't include the Clippers, the yeah. Warriors or the 76ers oh. on my list. Yeah. Okay, I'm fine. 76ers, there's too much drama. That's totally, we don't need to get into that, but that's that's going to take, it's going to take more for them to be a top 10 team than to not be at this point, in my mind. Clippers, you know, I, I don't deserve, they don't deserve to be talked about here until, I, I'm not going to put them in a top 10 list until I see them play 10 games together. Let's just say that. Um, but, but the Warriors, okay. A brave like we're, call. We're getting a little a ahead of ourselves. for me. This, yeah, this so could, I, I had yeah, come 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 come. Well, I'll just I'll just say that I had uh, seven six five Heat Bucks Warriors. So what's what's keeping you, uh, with the Warriors keeping them outside the top ten? I just don't I just don't see that they've improved. I think they're going to be a bit of stagnation there with 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 Clay with with mm-hmm. Draymond. I think. Steph is still going to be great, but you have to think maybe he might just slow down just that little bit. Still going to be one of the top five players in the league, no doubt about that. He's still going to be able to lead this team. But unless they see Andrew Wiggins get back to the level that he was at on that title run in 2022 and a a big jump from a guy like a Moody or a Kaminga, I I just don't see them. I see them being a lot closer to the the playing tournament than they are to like the top, top three or top four seeds in the West. That, that's right. And I think there's there's been some talk about, you know, staleness. And I think that's, as a general theme, that's not incorrect. And even um, in some interviews, it kind of seems like that was kind of the vibe near the end of their last run. Um, but 
I, I number one with Curry, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he's slowing down until I see it because mm-hmm. um putting out 30 point per game seasons, still looking like an MVP, still moving like he has for the past six, seven years. I I won't I won't predict it till I see it. Um Clay is another question because his shooting last year was something that um was a little eye-opening. And Maybe he tells me that he needs to take a step back and Moody needs to take take a step up. Not not to replace him, but to just, you know, take a little responsibility off. And that, that's a change that I think if if Clay is still not at the level he was before, but he's still taking those same amount of shots and he's still taking maybe poorer quality shots that he can't really make anymore, that that's that's gonna be a step back for this team. If if they're not letting a young guy like Moody step in and take a little bit more role. Um, I think, I think Wiggins is fine. I, I'm not playoff wise, you know, what we're going to get from him defensively and offensively. I'm, I'm not really thinking too much about it. The the one thing for me, why I had the Warriors um, fifth is Chris Paul. I mean, that no one's that it just hasn't been talked about a lot. It's been kind of like, Oh, that's a weird fit. Warriors play fast. He plays slow. He's a point guard. He's not going to start type deal, but I can't possibly imagine a situation where two of the best shooters of all time, along with the best point guards of all time, don't find a way to make it work on the court together. And while they don't necessarily have a traditional role man uh, at the five, Ron Looney's not really that traditional uh, pick and roll guy that Chris Paul's used to. I think Chris Paul and what we've seen from him recently in Phoenix, how he's been a big part of the development of their bigs. I mean, what, what does that do for a guy like Jonathan Kaminga, who's honestly probably the best pick and roll guy. He's, he's a lob threat. Uh, what, what, is, what does he do for a guy like, like Moses Moody when they're playing bench minutes together, a true facilitator out there. Um, and you subtract Jordan Poole's minutes, a guy who, you know, can go off for points and that, that really buries teams. And then we saw that when Jordan Poole would go off after Steph Curry sits, I mean, that, that's just demoralizing. Mm-hmm. But instead, when you, when you see a guy like Chris Paul come out and he's helping everybody do well, I mean, Moses Moody isn't out there just watching Jordan Poole dribble for 10 seconds. He's, you know, have Chris Paul's running a play for him. So I think Chris Paul could, for a lot of these players, help them. And also add some like some new offense. If things are stale, I mean, Chris Paul adds an entirely different offensive look for them, and maybe that's something that is something they can you know try something new and and have some, I mean, new flavor to this team. Yeah, I think I think that's totally fair. Like, I, it's so crazy thing. I, I left them out completely, but I also can't say that I'd be surprised in any way if they weren't one of the best teams to yeah. start to start the year. It's just a way. It's just something that you kind of have to wait. Or for me, I'm just gonna wait and see and, and seeing that they still have that that level, that competitive fire within them, which you think they should there. This is a very much a a, a win at all costs type yeah. of franchise. You mentioned you had the, the the Heat seven, book six. I had the same. And then I had I had oh, the Lakers okay. as my number five. Okay. So like the Heat, they could change like but at at this point in time, they're a worse team than they were last year. They've yes, lost. Yes. They've lost Vincent. They've lost Struess. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry is likely to take another step back. They've yet to add Damian Lillard, so that needs to happen for them to yeah 
to really kind of get back on it. They're not going to do, I know this is the Miami Heat. They're always going to be in the playoffs. They're always going to do well in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. They are not going to get back to that level. They are not going to win a title unless, like, unless they add Damian Lillard. Like, they, they, they need to make that move happen, whether that's early in the year or even before the tread deadline. At some point, they have to make that move happen. It's it's important for this team. It's the way they're set up is to to make a big move like that come true to really to really deliver. I'm glad we're both on the same page with the books here. Because yeah, I'm go go yeah. go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll say for for the Heat really quick. I, I yeah, Vincent Cruz that's huge. Um, I'll I'll say I wouldn't be surprised for the Heat though. If you know what I'm thinking about with Shrews is, I mean that that catch and shoot guy that you're losing. That's he. I mean that's that's a massive loss. Um, and he really replaced what Duncan Robinson had lost in himself somehow. And Duncan Robinson could just like chill and replace that here and there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden Duncan Duncan Robinson is himself. I mean that would just be a very Miami Heat thing. Um, and I also wouldn't be surprised if out of this Heat program, uh, Nikola Jovic all of a sudden is a really good rotation player that those types of heat things would not surprise me. And that would explain why they're still, you know, in the top 10 here. And, and I think you're right. I'm not putting them higher than that without making another ad because of what you said about Lowry and, and, uh, and Dame, but bucks. Yeah. I, I, I'm in maybe last year, I would put them top three, top two. Uh, but what's, I, I think we might have the same thing here. What's holding you back for them. I think this team is 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 just stagnated now. I think this team have reached their peak. 2021 was their peak. Yeah. Giannis is obviously still going to be a top two player in this league. No doubt about it. He is an elite, elite superstar. But Chris Middleton, he peaked mm-hmm. in 2021. Yeah. It's been downhill since then. He's not going to get back to that level. And then outside of that, they're still going to have a solid team, but they're not going to have a guy who's going to be able to score like Middleton was in that in that year. He's going to score efficiently from three. He's going to be that two guy to to deliver that shooting punch when Giannis is, is going coast to coast and getting those dunks and everything else. And unfortunately, I look at them, I just don't think they're going to get back to the level that they got to. I think they took advantage when they could in, in 2021. They won that chip. Unbelievable achievement for them to do that. But I'm happy to call right here, like Giannis Antetokounmpo will not win another title with the Milwaukee Bucks, that won't happen. That's that's a fair bet, and it sounds like that's something that he's worried about right now too. What, mm-hmm. what do you? I mean, those comments that he's made about, um, you know, not resigning until he's confident. Um, I mean, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of concern for for a team in the league that players keep making these demands, keep moving. I'm worried about that too. Um, I'm worried about Middleton not looking like himself. Um, but I, I don't think I'm, I'm not willing to say that it's over for Middleton because coming back from an injury in the middle of the season, we've seen it time and time again. That's not something that is easy to do. It's not something that, especially guys who are shot creators. Um, I mean, there, there's so much, there's so much balance that goes into that so much core strength, so much muscle memory to, to regain, um, for what he does, not just a catch and shoot guy. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that's shooting from the mid post. He's a guy that's taking fadeaways. He's taking turnaround jumpers. Like he takes a lot of tough, tough shots. Um, so to get back to that level, maybe takes a summer. So maybe, maybe this is not an issue because in, in October, like game one, game two, or the second month, like he's, he's back. 
and then okay things look a little different but for everything to hinge on Middleton's health because they don't really have another guy Mm -hmm. um Drew Drew Holiday has had some excellent stretches shooting but he's not that's not what he's there for um Grayson Allen's not going to evolve there Jay Jay Crowder is we like there who do you look to to be that level of a shot creator because that's not Giannis's game and he needs someone like Middleton alongside him so that that's that's what worries me the most is, is I agree with, with Middleton and relying on him staying healthy like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's wanting them to make real moves, which is kind of, it's kind of funny to me. Cause I mean, family's family, but you, you just push them to sign two non NBA guys and his brothers, mm-hmm. Alex and Thanasis. I mean, th- those are two literally wasted roster spots when you could be trying to see who else is out there. Look at the minimum level guys that the Suns have uh, who I think we'll be discussing in a second here, but there's, there are guys out there that they could at least test the waters on and two wasted roster spots. I mean, Giannis has to get real with himself and that he did sacrifice a little bit there for his team to be making those comments. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think he's he's right to kind of make them public though. He's not saying that I'm going to demand this trade. He's just going to say, I need to wait and see. The problem is, They've they've made the moves, all the moves that they can. It, it kind of feels like that sort of way, like the the move they made to get your holiday in originally, like re-signing Brooke Lopez, re-signing Portis and and Jay Crowder. Like they've done what all they can at a, like a at a min, kind of a minimal level to, to kind of support this superstar that they they have to no choice but to support. But unfortunately, for me, it looks like Middleton is not going to get back to that level that he was at. And then that what kills the team because they're not going to be able to trade him for a similar uh, type of player. They're not. They don't have the assets to be able to bring in another guy who's at Middleton's level, and they don't have anyone on the current roster that is going to be able to take up take up that uh, gap left by him. And that's where the issues arise. And that's maybe why you think that maybe it's it's probably almost like a like a 55, uh, 55 to 45 split that maybe he's not going to be with this books team maybe after after next season or something something like that. But it's definitely a worry for them. And I'd say Milwaukee as a fan base, uh, maybe maybe start to, start to enjoy it while it lasts or maybe just pray that Chris Middleton can get back to the to the level that he was at. Number yeah. five, I had I had the Lakers. Let's, let's, let's talk about them. They had, they've had a, a really great offseason without making any ginormous moves. It appears that they built a roster that makes sense. They've just added Christian Wood in the last mm-hmm. uh, the last couple yeah. of days. And an interesting piece that I think to come into that Lakers team. It's like a, especially just to start off with him. He comes into that team and if he's playing minutes where Anthony Davis is also on the floor, I don't think there's going to be too much discussion about his lack of a defense and and lack of ability to protect the rim or anything like that because that's going to be AD doing that and when you think of him as like kind of like a, a switchable defender and a guy who can come out on the perimeter, he's not awful. He's he's capable of doing it. Obviously, there's many a guy that will see Christian Wood and be like, oh, I'm going to take him, not a problem. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm not saying get him on your best guy or uh, or anything like that. But if he's, especially if he's in the second unit, he'll, he'll be fine that team. And he'll add some nice scoring with a guy for, for his size to that Lakers team, I think. But it, he will need probably need to play most of his minutes with a guy like when, when AD is probably on the floor as well. Yeah, that, that's that's true. That, that's something that probably holds him back. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't hate a, a, um, a backup front court of Jackson Hayes and Christian Wood. Um, 
I mean, but both both those guys on the floor, they're they're mobile bigs. They can switch, although I don't love them switching. I mean, it, it's I, I think the, the the major thing, like personally for me, for him defensively, is he comes into a defense that is established. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have to be for the Mavs, it's like, okay, Christian Wood needs to be the rim protector and 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 needs to make sure that all the defensive mistakes on the perimeter get clean, but that's, he's not a, he's, he's not going to clean the glass like that. He's not going to be, you're not going to funnel guys to Christian Wood and expect good things to happen. But I think he, he can be a part of a system there. And he's had moments of being um, a good weak side rim protector at times. And that, I mean, that's something he can do in spurts, but just not as a starting player. So um, Christian Wood, not the biggest signing that they have. I mean, they, they have such a big uh, roster now. They, they have guys that they can try out. They can try new things throughout the um, the whole season. I mean, they're the team. I think this is probably the most impressive thing about the Lakers last year is their resilience against change. The fact that they had the most, by far, um, different lineups throughout the season, but they were still right there knocking on the door for the finals. Um, but now you got Gabe Vincent, much better three-point shooter than Schroeder. Torian Prince, much better consistent shooter than, uh, than Beasley. Um, Wood, you're going to get more floor spacing from him. And then, I mean, you have two X factors too. I mean, what if Cam Reddish can play? What if Jackson Hayes can play? I mean, they're raw, but they haven't been in the right situations. And the right situation is playing with LeBron James. Um, the right situation is being on a team with championship aspirations. And we already saw what we got from Vando, Reeves, and Rui last year. I mean, this this team is, if, the, if they're, I wanted to put them three, I did. But there, there are four for me. But they really, with, with even with LeBron getting a little older, he's still a top five player. AD is still a top ten player, and his health wasn't the worst last year. His health was fine. So, I mean that they're they're going to be right back in there in the Western Conference Finals unless anything changes for me. Yeah, I think the the main difference. I think it's a big gap for them is if AD's offense can get back up to the level that his defense was on say circa the 2020 playoffs that's a game changer for this Lakers team because he was the best defender in the playoffs last year like yeah. 100% yeah. he was <laughs> and his his offensive game it was still it was fine but it wasn't at that level like remember like the last game against Denver like LeBron had what 38 points but he was absolutely gassed trying to do that Mm-hmm. He could still put that up, but he needs AD to be doing uh, like 25, 26 points a game for that to actually matter. AD has got to be able to put up big numbers as well. And obviously you're, you're hoping Reeves has got paid. Now there's a bit of pressure on him to to sustain what he did last year and even improve on it. Is D'Lo capable of being impactful as a as a starting guard in, in, in with, with a team that are actually looking to win a title? That remains to be seen. But like we say every year, it's time for AD. It's time for it to be his his team. It's time for the major pressure to be on his shoulders, and he has to be able to to deliver while knowing he still has a guy in LeBron James that's going to control the pace, going to control the floor, and still be really impactful at 38, 39 years old. I mean, we're thinking about a drop-off from him, and even a drop-off is still going to be, what, like 24, 8, and 5 or something like that? Like, that's going to be the drop-off we get from LeBron James. That's still pretty damn good yeah. for your second yeah, star. Yeah, that, that's still... <laughs> um, and you, you have me thinking about D'Lo for a sec, though. What are the chances that Gabe Vincent starts over? I think they're Not right. at the start like, of the season. You're uh, very high. 
Yeah, I think they're high. I mean, like Dilo has to has to show it. I mean, we saw. Unfortunately, we see him more tank out in when the when the light shines brightest or when the, when the moment is is given to him rather than step up and take it. So, I think that the chances are definitely high that Vincent can get in ahead of him. Mm. I, that if he accepts that role, I'm I'm, I'm interested to see where, where that goes. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Lakers are there because they actually have real depth. They have they have youth. They have options to try different things this season and preserve. Uh, LeBron's health, reserve AD's health with that depth. He doesn't have to be there. I think every single game he can take some rest days. And that's probably the biggest part is can you keep LeBron healthy two weeks before the playoffs? Can you keep AD healthy uh, before the playoffs? And I think they have the depth to do that and without <laughs> fighting for a playing spot this time. Um, should All we step right, into our, let, our let's top see three? Your top four. We got a top four now. We know you mentioned you got Lakers in four. Who, who's your top three? All right. We'll say, we'll say, Three is the Phoenix Suns. Are we on the same page? Oh, two is Celtics. One is the Denver Nuggets. Ooh, that's very interesting. Well, we've got Suns, we've got Celtics, similar Nuggets. sort of vibes here. I have got the Cleveland Cavaliers in number four. I got the Denver Rose. Nuggets in number three. The Phoenix Suns in number two, and the Boston Celtics at number one. Around it, all right. Cleveland Cavaliers, look, look. The Cavs at four. I'll talk, I'll talk you through here, right? The Cavaliers okay. won fifty-one games last year. Obviously, they they struggled in the playoffs, but they've made some a couple of solid additions in the offseason. Okay. I expect to see more from Mobley, especially if they they look to possibly trade off of Jared Allen. I don't think that's out of the question going uh, throughout the season. See how it works again this year. You know what you're going to get out of Donovan Mitchell. You're going to see more growth from, from mm-hmm. Darius Garland. I think they're going to be in a similar spot. Maybe not in terms of actually believing they can go and win a title, but in terms of the regular season, I think they 100% will be a top three seed in the East. Okay. That's fair. R- run me through that again. Cavs at four. Three, Cavs two, at one. four. Denver at three. Phoenix Denver. at two. Boston at one. Nobody wants to accept the fact that Denver Nuggets are a worse team than the one that won the title last year. They lost they, Bruce Brown. They've lost Bruce Brown. They lost uh, Jeff Green as well, right? They are two players that played important roles in that title team. I'm not saying they're going to tank out and be a playing team this year, but yeah, they're still going to be a top three seed in the Western Conference. But it's always likely that they're going to see a drop off. And like last year, as great as they were, it always felt like it was things were just working out for them. It was just their time there. The times where you see Jokic throw up a shot with half a second left on the shot clock that should never go in in a million years and and somehow goes in off the backboard and things like that were things were going for them. They they went and played the Miami Heat, the eighth seed in the in the East to to win the championship. Who who beat the Celtics? Yeah, who beat the, who Celtics. Beat the Celtics? I get that, but the difference if if Jokic had gone and and beaten Giannis in that in that finals, or, who lo- who lost to the Heat also, or or he had beaten the Celtics team, who were still playing at the level that they were during the regular season. Don't get me wrong; I don't like getting too much into it because you can only beat yeah. the team that that you play. Like it's not your fault that the the better team didn't get there, so you can't really put too much too much of that on them. But there's just that element, and it, and it happens a lot with the European players. Let's not forget. 
No European player has ever led their team to multiple championships when he's the, the top dog. Dirk, one title. Giannis, one title. Now Jokic. They're kind of the main European players that have had the keys to their franchise. They've been the everything. They're going to be take a bit of a slide off. Like Jamal Murray not playing for Team Canada because he needs to recover after the long season. Like That's not a not a great thing to hear from a young player. It was just after I don't mind that. I don't mind that. He just came off. This is his first healthy. He finally got back healthy. He had a championship run. He's focused on another championship run. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But at the same time, it would make me worry just a little bit. Don't get me wrong. There's a good chance of that my worries would be completely looking completely stupid when he's midway through the season and he's 100% looking like an all-star. That could easily happen, and this would be a genius decision from him then. But it's uh, just hearing something like that from a young guy who... I mean, he's probably wishing he was playing with Team Canada right now, the way that the way that, that team's going. But I just think that there's a lot of pressure on this Denver team. Can they sustain it? Can they get back to that level again? I'm not 100% sure because it hasn't been done before by by one of the European players, by one of these guys who's not a freakish athlete who's been that able to get me. that. I know, I know you say that doesn't worry doesn't you, worry but me. let's just remember, like, there's, like records and things like that are there to be broken. Can Jokic go and do it? I'm not going to doubt him too much on it, but I I think there we should expect a drop off from this Denver team, and I think other teams have gotten better while they're probably sustaining. the uh, The thing with with the, the couple losses, then that's fair. That's something to discuss. Okay, so you, so you lose Christian, uh, you lose uh, Bruce Brown. Um, that's that's not nothing. Um, I think you I think you still get a lot from Christian Braun. I, I still think you get um a lot out of a guy like Ish Smith. I mean, they sign, I mean, don't laugh at Ish Smith. I mean, a guy who does put in minutes, a guy who is, has been a valuable rotation guy. I mean, they're, they're rotation pieces that will, will fill in for that. I mean, we saw, I mean, Hunter Tyson looks pretty solid. I mean, the guy that they just drafted and I, I feel I'm at Liberty to, to feel confident about rookies that Denver signs because we just saw one of their rookies like produce seriously in the championship in Christian Braun. And I, I, I don't know, man. I, I really can't. I really can't imagine the continuity of this team. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray looking back to what he was like. I mean, Jamal Murray having just insane games in the playoffs, and he it looks like he had his confidence back, everything back there. Um, the defense we saw too from Michael Porter Jr. at times, and it's it's clear that he's really starting to grow into that role. Um, I I'm not blinking an eye at losing Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. Jeff Green and Bruce Brown played great for a championship team led by Nikola Jokic, and they got their ring out of that. And I could say thank you. Who, who else is going to fill that role? Because we're going for another championship. I, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. And, and here, here's the thing, too. Like I, I, you have to think hard about it because I think the Nuggets have always been doubted. And there's, and I think that's that's an undertone to it. Is like, is Jokic that serious level? You know, athletes can do it year after year. Um, and he's European, so he has that stigma against him too. But uh, the the plays he was making, I mean that the I, I think we I think we didn't just see, um, like the the Nuggets win their first championship. We didn't just see, um, the, these guys prove themselves to be champ. We we saw Jokic prove to be like an all time great. And the, the, those are the kind of plays he was making. He was making unbelievable plays because he's literally going to go down as one of the best players to ever play the game. And a team led by a guy like that doesn't matter. He's from Compton, if he's from Canada, if he's from Europe, wherever, like that guy is going to continue to lead under that GM, under under the kind of talent that they bring in year after year. 
that that guy's going to lead them to championships every single year until that until someone gets hurt. If if Murray's hurt, then sure, I mean that changes things. If MPJ gets hurt, then that's a big blow. Like there, there are definitely factors to it, but I I, I really don't think that that they're going to take a step back in the way that you know I'm, I have let I have more doubts about Boston. I have more doubts about the Suns. I've I have of course. I mean the Cavs aren't in that level, but you. <laughs> We, we didn't even get the jump to the Cavs, but I, I'm I'm here getting heated about the the Nuggets. But I, I can't I can't keep them outside of one. I can't put Boston there. Why 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 are we more confident about Boston in this very moment than we are about the Nuggets? That's my question. I think they're gonna have that bit between their teeth, they're that determination after blow after blowing it in the playoffs last year. They had a great regular season. I think this year I gonna I think Jason Tatum is gonna be a guy that. We see take another jump in his in his career as a two way player. I think he's going to be a guy that's really touted highly to be MVP of the league this year. I think the offense is going to be off the charts. I don't think their defense is going to take too much of a hit. And I think if health is on their side, then I don't see how they can't be the best team in the NBA in the regular this season. Year. In the regular, the regular season. season, and and like if if it's going well, true the. The regular season, and maybe they'll do the same thing that they did last year. That that's yeah. not that's not crazy to think of. I just believe the growth within this team, and hopefully the growth of of Joe Mazzula as a coach, that'll take them through the playoffs again. Because let's not forget they were they're only a year removed from from uh, going on a, on a run to the finals themselves. So I think they're they're going to be able to get back to that. I I believe in this Celtics team. They have too much talent to not deliver, and after. Even though they got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, they did that playing quite poorly. That's, that's not my, forget that's that. That's my concern. That, that's my they concern. They did that Why? playing quite poorly. If they can get to a better level now this year, if they can sustain what they do in the regular season and then into the playoffs, then they are the, then they are the best team of basketball. I know, but the 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 playing poorly thing that that's what sticks for me because what what was it that they lost that edge? They had that edge throughout the season. They had that edge, that the ball movement, the the defense, and the the tenacity that they played with, and there was, there was a different vibe about them in the playoffs that they couldn't consistently reach that level of play, and it's always been the intangibles with this group, and we talk about intangibles for a team that just lost their major leader on on defense and in that locker room, Marcus Smart, and. You know, lo- losing a locker room leader, you know, that's not the reason I'm going to put them outside of it. But I, I, I think there's a question of who's going to lead this team. That, that's a serious question to answer. Um, Brad Stevens even mentioned it too. Like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they need to step up as leaders. And that's not going to sink this ship. But when it comes to a team that has struggled to stay consistent because they're in their heads, because they're not finishing games, because they let off the gas pedal. They're not. They're being a little bit too passive. That you just lost a guy who is who is who's leading that, and then you you add in an X factor of, of Porzingis. So that like, how much do you rely on his success throughout the regular season if he's not going to be there in the playoffs due to health? Um, I'm these these are not like major holes. These are questions, but I don't have these same questions with the Nuggets. I don't have questions about you know where the leadership is going to come from, where everything's going to come from, um, like. Questions about losing Bruce Brown and losing Jeff Green do not compare it to me to losing Marcus Smart and a team that fell back into some old habits in the most crucial point of the season after having a really great regular season like that. 
that is way more concerning to me and raises more questions than. Let's than, not forget uh, they it, fell into those old habits with Marcus Smart. So let's not let's not forget that part of it also. I mean that that that's fair, but you know he he was a big part of the equation, and maybe you're we're saying like addition by subtraction, maybe a little bit, a little bit less Marcus Smart makes things a little bit cleaner offensively, perhaps. Um, but I di- I digress. Let, let's let's talk Suns though. Yeah, well, we'll you, get you, have, we'll you had you had Suns over Denver. I did. And on paper, this Suns team they literally have to have to have to have to be the best team in the league. They've gone as about as all in as they possibly can to build this team. They they have to be well, like you can say they don't have to be in, in the regular season and they just have to be firing all guns blazing come the playoffs. But I think there's pressure on them to do it from start to finish from the first day first day of the season till till the last game of the NBA finals there's going to be pressure on this Phoenix Suns team. Yeah, Denver's only like their only goal is to be better than Denver. Um and Denver destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Right. Destroyed them. I mean it, even even though we, we saw that 70 point uh combined game. Um I mean how how much better? I mean we we haven't so we were waiting to see what a three-headed dragon would look like in Brooklyn with, with Harden, with Kyrie, and with uh, Durant. Now we got Booker, Durant, and Beal. Um, I mean, I, we had talked about before how I think Beal does fit in terms of an, off, an off-ball player, what he used to do there. Um, he can be in a bit of a reduced role there. I, I just I don't see I don't see where defensively they they've improved over the offseason to to be there. Because I, I don't I don't think you're not you're not beating Denver with by outscoring them and we, that was proven in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. I want to say some nice things about the Suns though. This isn't about you. You, you triggered me the negative, Denver out of the number one. Let, let, let's 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 say some nice things. Um, they signed a lot of solid minimum guys. I mean, like that that's that's a major thing. Like, I wouldn't say that their depth is like solved, but there's a lot of potential answers there. Like you go up and down that that roster, the the minimum guys they they signed. Um, I mean, hell, let, let's let, let's see what you get out of out of Bobo. I mean, he's he's not going to start. I mean, people need to stop saying he's going to start. He's not. But um, Eric Gordon, you know, you know, guy's a veteran. He's going to come in there, and you know what you're going to get out of him. Um, they just have guys like that that are, I think, going to sustain regular season success. And you know that you're not going to get a full seventy games out of KD. You know, you're not going to get a full seventy games out of Beal. But how do you feel about their depth right now? Is is that is that Something that's keeping them afloat to be number two for you. Yeah, I think I think like I love what they did with all the minimum deals. I do with the the little amount of money that they were working with and the guys that they were able to add. I think they did a really great job of constructing this roster, having gone all in for the second time when they made the move to get uh to get Bradley Beal in. I think it's gonna be interesting to see the team like without Chris Paul, what way it works from there, because Chris Paul is such a positive impact on this Suns team. He's the one who got them to the level where they felt that they were in a position to make the big move for a guy like KD and go all in to win a championship. Like Chris Paul brought them to that level. Now it's like where they go from here. Like this is gonna be the kind of season for Bradley Beal. We're like almost almost like, oh hey, remember me? I'm actually the I'm actually a damn good NBA player, so it's gonna be. I think, like you said, I think it's it's all about being better than Denver. I think, especially during the regular season, I think we're gonna see this Suns team look like they could they could definitely look like one of the one of the best regular seasons of all time. It's just gonna come down to 
the playoffs, like you said, and can they do they have enough defensively to slow down the Nuggets? You're never going to stop a guy like Jokic, and if Murray's still at that level, you're not going to really slow stop him. Slow down, slow them down enough to be able to inflict their elite offense on the team enough to get get over that line. Maybe that's a question mark. That's probably a fair question mark that you brought up. But in terms of regular season, I, I expect them to be the number one seed in the Western Conference as long as KD is mm. there for at least like what like. Say even somewhere in the fifty-five to to sixty-five range of games, and be something similar like that, because Booker's going to be able to he'll have no problem carrying them for for a few games if it's just him. I believe he's going to be capable of doing that. Yeah, and uh, he he's going to be kind of the the linchpin there. He's going to be the guy that's kind of you expect to be there for for somewhere in like the seventy-five plus range of games, and he's going to be the one who's who's consistently there and hopefully stays healthy. And hopefully he just delivers again. Like that run he was on in the playoffs, he was looking absolutely unbelievable. He brings that into the regular season again. You're he's a guy that you're talking about as one of the top five in the league and maybe the best, maybe the best shooting guard in the league as well. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how they play. We we won't do a deep dive on the Suns right now, but I mean, just not having Chris Paul there and looking at this roster and not having any true point guards. I mean, how does Aiden suffer from that? Um, not having a guy to to really create for him or does Beal or Booker kind of step into a facilitator role? Booker, I think, is maybe a little bit more equipped for that. Because um, if you gave all these guys a number one choice, you know, Beal, Booker, and Durant are going to prefer to take pull-up mid-range shots. They're going to really thrive in that area, and they all can't do that at the same time. And is Booker going to increase his volume from three? Is Beal going to get back to that? He did not have a great year shooting from three last year. Um there, there's there's definitely questions about how they're gonna set this up um but that's that's regardless of the talent i mean that that's they have the most talent in their starting five for sure in the league and that's gonna put them there and the depth is not terrible we're not too worried about it i mean like I, honestly like you just name off guy drew eubanks i'm not i'm i'm pretty happy with that signing i mean that that's a pretty solid backup big half um Yuta Watanabe, I'm actually super excited to see him yeah, in this lineup like that, um, yeah. with what he's got. Um, people need to chill on Bobol, but I mean, I think Bobol can play some some minutes here and there. I, I, I'd love to see what you can get from him uh, throughout the regular season, actually getting consistent. Um, Josh Okogi, love that he's back. Terrence Ross, I mean, th- there's there's answers here, but at the end of the day, I, I think that they could slide. That That's my thing. There mm-hmm. there is There's questions in the regular season to, to answer about how they play defensively um, and answers how they play without a true point guard live without any real playmaking there. Um, but they're still three for me. They're top three. They'll be there. I don't, I don't know about number one in the West. I think we'll have a surprise number one in the West. I, I think the King, even though I'm putting Kings in the bottom of the, I think they'll, they'll still be a regular season uh, winner. I think they'll still be top three seed, but mm-hmm. sons are, yeah. sons are there at the end of the season. When yeah. it comes down to it, yeah, 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 for sure. I think, uh, in fairness, I, I, each of our top tens there. I think, I think we're we're fairly similar, other, other than the Cavs and Knicks, and then you obviously had the Warriors in there. I think we're maybe not the same on in terms of position, but similar enough in terms of the teams that we believe are are, are in the are in the top ten. Yes, anyway. so Cavs essentially made this list instead of the Warriors and the the Knicks, instead and of the, the Knicks made it instead of the Mavs. That's that's interesting. The, the Cavs. Listen, I'm not too. We, we you you snuck that in there, and then we just kind of gloss over it. I mean, it, that's that's fair. We'll see what kind of contribution. Does Max Drews answer that 
that big question that they have there uh, with with the shooting. Um, is does Niang add that a little bit more too for for the shooting? Um, I I just need to see a little more from Mobley for for me to to jump yeah. into there because we know we're gonna get from everybody else. Mobley needs to really evolve himself into an offensive threat, uh, shooting the ball even if it's even if it's from mid range. Like he needs to have a little bit more face up game. You can't have two guys doing the same thing there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You're yeah, that hundred percent agree. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go on the other side of it and just believe that 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 we are gonna see that for him. Yeah. But that uh definitely interesting. Speaking of Mobley. Speaking of guys that are are looking to become the next big thing in the NBA, the next the next uh the next big dogs of the NBA. In terms of got players, who do we think are, are a couple of guys that are are on the verge now this year of of breaking into that echelon of, of top ten, top fifteen player in the league? So I'll I'll start by just naming the candidates. I mean, I, I went through and re- really thought about guys who are on the edge of uh all nba so so what we know what we can say objectively is that um top 15 according to all nba is Giannis, tatum and shea butler jalen brown Jokic, mitchell steph julius randall lebron sabonis fox and lillard um and fun little thing there is when's the last time the kings had two all nba players in the same roster at the same time that's that's never. interesting <laughs> uh never yeah um and and starting off our list of candidates is a. Uh, Recently, former King Halliburton, mm-hmm. Edwards, Mikhail Bridges, Zion is he gonna be healthy? Markinen, Lamelo Ball, Jaron Jackson Jr. These are guys that I'm thinking about. Of like, who, who, which of these guys could make? Exa- I, I think that they have a lot of room for growth from um, fringe star player or star player to superstar player. Um, do you have any names besides that? Did I miss anybody? Yeah, I I got I got Jalen Brunson on my list. Trey Young. Jalen well. Brunson. Okay. Um Trey. So okay, I, I had I had Trey Young there and Jalen Brunson. I think I think my, my two things with them were why I didn't consider them as candidates. I I felt that there wasn't there wasn't enough room for them to grow um in the places that they needed to grow the most. Trey Young defensively, he's never gonna get there. And I I want him to get better to where the point he was two years ago. And I think that's a top 20 player. I think that's right outside the top 15. Um, but possibly, I mean, I guess he can get back to it. Does that count if he gets back to it? I think he was in, did he make an All-NBA team? He did, yeah. He was yeah. in All-Star? Yeah, he did. So, I mean, I, at, at one point in time, he was definitely top 15. So, I mean, that, that's fair. Well, I'll end it there. And he, he could get back to his level and, and he could definitely be a top 15. He buys player. in and, and starts to succeed with Quinn Schneider. I think you definitely start to think of him as a guy who's right yeah. there. Even if he's not le- like cemented there, he's definitely the kind of guy where when you get to like the the likes of like a Julius Randle or, or like a or like a Donovan Mitchell or something there, the kind of guys that could can be interchangeable as the season goes on. He, he at least gets to that sort of level. What does Jalen Brunson need to do? I, I I think it's more of a a sustaining it from him because he took he's taken big mm, jumps over the yeah. last few years. If he sustains the level that he delivered last year, and everyone is definitely convinced then that it, it really is him making that difference for the Knicks, and it's not all about Julius Randle. I think that's that's where you start to think of him as being one of the best point guards and, and even one of the best guards in the league. Like stats wise, he was doing it last year. They were winning games. They do it again this year. He was 24 and 6 last year on 52, 42, 83 splits. He does something like that again. Like he's 25 and 7 
and he and he's doing like 50, 50 40 80 again on, on the splits and the, and the Knicks are a winning team again. I don't mm-hmm. see how you can't you can't think of him as being in that in that echelon and, and in that sort of range. Does he need to do more playmaking? Does he need to be more of a pure point to like jump into that? I'd say he, there's, he there's an element of it a little bit because it's like him and Randall are kind of doing the, the same thing and they're kind of taking turns of who who's going to be the guy that scores the ball tonight. I think there's def- there is an element of that. I think if he adds that extra bit more, but I think his, his inside scoring and the scoring as a whole is the major part of his game, so you don't want him to lose that either. I think it's finding the balance and maybe just even finding a way to highlight it more without kind of resorting to not taking the shots that he takes because he, he, he takes the very efficient shots and, and scores them well. I'm... Yeah, you know what? I'm 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 fine with that. I I think he's definitely in this list. He's a little bit older in this list, I think. Yeah, that's what I was saying. He's kind of like he's, the, he's, the, that, the that's that's the one type, thing where yeah, I was like, yeah, there, yeah. yeah. He he's had a really interesting uh, trajectory of of being like solid role player, solid starter, really good starter. Then now he's a star in New York after he got traded, and that I guess that that changes things. There's there's the stigma around you know how how slowly he's gotten to this point. And I think maybe, you know, you see a guy, not to compare him to Jimmy Butler at all, but a guy like Jimmy Butler where it took a minute for people to kind of recognize that, okay, this guy is, is he's a top top 10 player, top 12 player. Um, but for the young guys, what, where where do we kind of rank them? I mean, I think, I think I'll start by saying that the people that I'm most confident in is Anthony Edwards mm-hmm. and the big question mark that we won't even get into is, is Zion. If, if Zion's healthy, I mean, I'll, I'll put him there. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely put him there. Um, but Anthony Edwards, I, I think we've discussed him enough. I think yeah, that's, yeah. We, that's we know he's one, the right? number one. Yeah. We don't, we don't yeah. have to discuss that. We know he's the, he's the guy that's right there, ready, ready to make that leap uh, and most and, likely to do it as well. Yeah. And Halliburton too. I mean, just off of the, the playmaking, I, I think he's, he's kind of a little bit below there. Um, I think the interesting one for me, who's, who's, guess maybe in a somewhat similar position as Jalen Brunson being a new team being a little bit older um and maybe being a little bit limited like I I I think that Edwards for example could do everything I mean I think he could he could become a superstar in so many different ways um Halliburton too but Mikhail Bridges Mm -hmm. a guy who's like a you know we, we were thinking maybe he could win a defensive player of the year type of deal um He's a guy that's averaged 26 points, made 38% of his threes on almost seven attempts with the Nets. I mean, numbers like that, while being a first-team defense, what does that do for you in terms of being a top-15 player? Is that that Jimmy Butler-esque? Like, you're you're a defensive stopper and you're an offensive weapon? You're you're a top – offensively, you're like a top-20 player, but defensively, you're a top – 10 player is that automatic? I mean, by numbers, doesn't that put you right there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it, we have to see if Bridges can be that guy for, for an entire season now. And like, can he have some sort of impact in winning? Because don't get me wrong, the, the Nets roster as a whole is just a mess. So it's going to be very difficult for him to have a, a real positive impact on winning. But that's that's kind of the thing that will hold them back. Yeah? Like, they're likely going to be around the play in sort of mark. And that might hinder him a little bit, but in terms of the the level of defense that he can produce, like you can be hundred percent confident in having him guarding the the opposing team's best player. He can guard multiple positions, and then he can be that that 
knockdown three-point shooter, the guy who's delivering on the offensive end as well. It's it's a huge difference maker because you always think so often that it's the offense that comes first and then they're like, okay, so is this guy even capable of playing on the defensive end? Similar to like a, a Trey Young type of type of uh, player, even like a guy like Anthony Edwards, where you're where you're seeing glimpses of it's like now can he really bring this as a consistent part of his game? But Bridges has gone the other way because he was in the situation he was in in Phoenix. Defense and three point shooting was what was key for him to be a good role player on that team. But now he's been given the keys almost, saying, "Right, you go out and do your thing on both ends of the floor," and he's getting put in that position. And so far, he's delivering on it. And the fact that you know the defense is always going to be there. Now it's just a question of if he sustains that offensive level, sustains that impact, then you have to have him in the conversation 100%. Just the, the level of the of the team he's on might just hinder him that bit. Yeah, the the, the guy, it's, it's fascinating to see the guy he's become just mm-hmm. instantly once your your mentality changes, not being behind Chris Paul, not being behind um, Booker, not being behind Aiton. I mean, he he's really the fourth option there. And mm-hmm. then you're wondering like, Oh, well, why isn't he putting the ball on the floor more? Why isn't he taking more shots? Why isn't he like he's because that's not by design. And then to see him flourish like this, I mean, it's really fascinating to to think about what he would have been for the Suns and what the Suns would have done if he had had the mentality there been given a little bit more free reign, because I, I think this, this is a great experimental period with the Nets, even though that it's going to hold them back. The Nets are going to be successful in terms of going far in the playoffs, but they have depth and they don't have a go-to guy. Mikhail Bridges is that go-to guy. He gets to experiment and be like, all right, how far can he take this offensive thing? How, how efficient can he go if you're giving him 12, 13, 14, 15 shots a game? Like how, how good is this team going to be if he does, he does that. Um, And I think he's, I mean, so far, I mean, the, the efficiency he's had, uh, albeit only a quarter of the season. I mean, it's it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another interesting one. Lowry Markkinen. Yes, he's got a, Lowry he's a big, it's a big, big year for Lowry Markkinen. That's a consistency thing, too. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about Jalen Brunson going to a new team, uh, proving that with more touches, that guy's a, that guy's a star. Markkinen doing the same thing in Utah. Um and this is a guy that just, you know, he he basically had a full season of what he would have for like one month every season with the Bulls. Um, and he's on full display. He's a wing. He's a power forward. He's a center. You don't know what he is, but he can shoot. He can attack closeouts. You can play a little defense now. I mean, he's it, it's funny the little experiment that he had with the Cavs really unlocked him in a very interesting way. Um, he did it a little bit in Chicago and it was just such a weird experiment. He wasn't ready for that as a young player, but now switching on to wings, using his length to, to contest shots and recover and using his athleticism there. Like he's really blossomed as an athlete. I think, I mean, his, his, he's in his physical prime and with his size of a seven foot one shooter, seven foot one wing um, who's playing multiple positions. I mean, I don't see why he can't jump into that. Um, but what is it? What's the major thing holding him back? I I think it's defense. I, if he can take another step defensively, maybe. But yeah, the defense is the thing that's going to be holding him back. And uh, obviously, the the Utah Jazz and team that's going to really be winning too many games this year. But in terms of him as a player and the size and versatility he has, and I think this year if he can deliver on that again, 
he'll be looking over at Carl Anthony Towns and he'll be thinking to himself, Ooh, maybe I'm the best big man shooter <laughs> in, in, in the NBA. Like he's, he, he can get to that sort yeah. of, that sort of level. He's got the talent and the versatility he has on both ends. The defense doesn't just take that another little step. I don't think he's ever going to be an all, an all, an all defensive type of guy, but there's definitely another level that he can get there where it's something that you don't think of and you just think of the offense and how much he's delivering on the offensive end because he's just doing fine and and he's not a target as a as a as a defender. So I think he could get to that level, but even if he's at that that's that level he was last year as a defender and he sustains what he did as an offensive threat, that that changes it in a in a in a really big way for me. And I think he he's a guy that just with the size that he has, everyone will be looking at him and thinking like, this is a guy that can really be a, a difference maker for, for a number of teams or the lead guy to lead this next generation of the jazz. Yeah. And I, he, I don't think he got enough. Uh, he got enough highlight last year. Um, I mean, it was, it was obviously the stats. It's obviously um, some of the dunks he had, the couple of game winners he had. People realizing, okay, he's, he's actually a good player, but you, you look at the tools he has when you when you watch him play. Um and there's not a lot of top 15 guys who has that toolbox. I mean, obviously the shooting, and then at his size, the ability to grab a rebound, go coast to coast, and in, in the same way that, that you see from Giannis, from Tatum, from Randall. Um, the ability to defend three through five even though maybe maybe not at an elite level. I mean, just the versatility there to do it um, is a skill in and of itself. Not a lot of players on this list doing that. Um, and just, again, the, the size that he has, too. Well, what he, what he can continue to grow with that, playing in the post a bit more. Um, I I don't know who's going to jump off of this list, but, it, again, it'll come down to to team success. And I'm interested to see as, as he grows. Same, same with Brunson. Guys who have been given chance with another team, Kale, Brunson, Markinen. Um, what about a younger guy? Oh, I wanna I wanna test the waters with Lamella Ball. I ju- I just say quickly before I say that, I'm loving how you're saying all that stuff about Markinen with that little little smile. I like I like how happy it's making you. I'm I'm, ha- I'm happy. I'm happy to see him do well there. I, I think it's it's unfortunate the the choices the Bulls made to um, not necessarily to trade him, but the, the choices they made in terms of roster construction, because um, I, I think I was thinking back uh, on some what ifs and, you know, if, if a healthy, if healthy Zach Levine and Lowry Markinen are on the same team that, that, and, and Wendell Carter still there. I mean, that these are guys who maybe they developed in other places because they're there. Um, but you, you got to imagine there, there is a, possibility that you set up the right development plan for them in the team that they're already on and they figure that out like that but that that team would be would be fantastic so unfortunate but i'm happy he's happy there okay and then lamello lamello ball uh another another really interesting uh interesting young player i'm gonna say no (laughs) the big the big the big thing is obviously the the uh the team that he plays on, the, the Charlotte Hornets, I, I think they're going to be another the, one of the worst teams in the East. Again, they're just such a nothing franchise. They like the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte, you just think Charlotte, you just think of losing. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. He's in the position where he is being tasked with changing that. And 
he had some injuries last year, but in terms of playmaking, three-point shooting, it's down. Now it's just a consistent scoring commitment on the defensive end. I'm really trying to turn the needle, turn the screw just that little bit to get them open closer to the play-in rather than being closer to being a lottery team. Because that's the, with the roster they currently have, that's the kind of almost the best you can hope for from them. Yeah, I, I guess I'm. I the team success definitely wasn't back, and I, I wonder how. I mean, from a maturity standpoint, like where where is he at? Is he, is he leading this team? I don't think he's there yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's there yet. Um, and I'm making a lot of assumptions on that, and I mean that's just based on what we've seen. But I'm not. I'm not super confident. Um, that that jump's gonna happen this year. Maybe maybe next year. Well, I we just have to see a full year of that happening. Um, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair, but I think he's kind of the, he's the the big question mark that you see. Like after he won Rookie of the Year, after he he did the things that we we all expected from him coming out of Australia, and even and even surprised to see like with his shooting, that was a big question mark about him. So it's going to be interesting to see can he do that consistently? Can he be the guy that ch- turns things around for the Charlotte Hornets? Because Think Charlotte, think of them as being the Bobcats as the Hornets. All you all you think about is losing and, and nobody ever even coming close to really turning them into a, a team that that's in the playoffs year on year and, and having winning seasons year on year. But he's definitely kind of that outside one where it'll always be talked about in that in that realm, but whether he actually can achieve it, especially this year, I I, I don't really see that uh, yeah. see that being too uh- likely. And I'll say one positive thing about it. I mean, just just to put it simply, like talent wise, um, I think he's a better player than Halliburton. I think he's an ease. Um, I think on a similar level to Edwards, just in level of sheer talent, not physicality, but has a lot of similar tools to Halliburton. But I think is has more potential as a defender, and has a little bit more versatility as an off-ball player as a, as a slasher. And I mean, a guy with that talent, I mean, he has a potential to it, but yeah, the, the, the system there, unless things could drastically change, I mean, this could be a very different conversation a few months from now, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeing it yet, but his name is there because, because of that reason, because that talent level is there because he's so young and because we're not privy to how things change in the off season. We're not privy to their mentality you know, that that's some that's things we learn later on. So maybe we learn uh, a big thing changes. Um, but I, I want to get on to the last name I have here. Uh, and he I'd say he along with Mikhail, I, I have them in like my top my top three. I'd say I'd go like Edwards, Halliburton, Mikhail, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. And the reason I say Jaron Jackson Jr is because of the opportunity he's going to have. We talked about Des- Desmond Bain having a little bit more with Ja being out. But Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't fully had the, the reins. And I believe he will. And this could be a quick experiment of, you know, what what can he do with the ball in his hands a bit more. But I think in terms of in terms of potential, like that, that has always been a tool that he has not fully taken advantage of. And he hasn't taken advantage of it because, you know, you have Dylan Brooks, you have Ja, Tyce Jones, we even have um, 
even have uh, Desmond Bain. Like, you have all these guys who have the ball in their hands. So for him to attack mismatches on the perimeter, for him to face up and put the ball on the floor, I mean, he's he's got the ability to do it, and we've seen it uh, in the playoffs last year too. Like, there, there's been some times where, you know, he gets the ball and then he's – He's in the triple threat position. He's making some moves. He's making drop steps. He's taking Euro steps. He's spinning into shots. And it's stuff that you don't see all the time in the regular season until he has a chance to do it. And he's a guy that if he does that, well, what was the suspension again? I don't even remember. John Rance out 20, for 20, 25 25 games. games. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's enough opportunity. I think, especially with having a team USA experience, having a little bit more of that. Um, I'm interested to see if he takes that next job, not just a, best defender of the nba job but also an offensive weapon yeah yeah obviously like we know he has the defense he's the reigning reigning defensive player of the year absolute machine block block protecting the rim but like remember in his early days when obviously he had like he was obviously injured a lot in the kind of his early years and they were looking at him as a guy who can space the floor and do a bit more like that it's just a it's a question of how much he wants it how much of an opportunity he's going to get you have to believe that there's going to be opportunities there for him and where can he go from here? Where where would be kind of the main areas? Would you want to see him more as a guy who can space the floor that bit more, or you just want to see the ball in his hands in the post a bit more? Yeah, the space spacing the floor is fine. He he's continued to get better there. Um and I think he'll continue to improve. Uh, but my my thing is going from just a catch and shoot on the perimeter to a catch, maybe if he's posting up a smaller guy, you, a lot of teams are going to want to put smaller guys on, on Jaron Jackson, mm-hmm. um, post them up. He's shown that he's developed as a post player, but also uh, his face up game. Cause yeah. he can, you can put the ball on the floor. He, he can get to a spin move. He can get to a drop step. He can get to a Euro. I mean, he, I, I think that's, that's where he can flourish because he does have some, some skill with the ball. Um, not enough, obviously to be initiating on the perimeter, but I think enough to, to have, um, to be a go-to option in the mid post, to be a go-to option if he's uh, facing up there. Um, and I think that's what, I mean, that'll, I think that would vault him into being a defensive player of the year guy who is scoring 24, 25 a game if at, at his peak, but we just need to see it a little bit more. Um, and I think he's, he has potential for that. Yeah. And I think that, that like a move like that is something that changes the, the kind of realm for the Grizzlies as well. And it's not, so exactly. hyped on Ja exactly. and and Desmond Bain. When you don't think of Jaron Jackson Jr. just as being that defensive stopper, then you're kind of like, how can a team really stop this team if if Ja and Bain are at 100 percent and you got Jaron Jackson Jr. as this unbelievable defender, but also this serious offensive weapon? That's that's like uh that's a that, that's a team that that can challenge the Denver Nuggets for sure if if it can get to that level. Let, yeah, let, that, that's that that gets me excited. Sorry, I, I need to yeah. indulge in that yeah, thought yeah, because grizzies, because yeah. <laughs> because that that is you always look at, at across the league like where where's a the growth going to come from? And it's obvious to look at the Suns and look look at the, the the stuff that they got. Look at their shiny new toys. But a guy like Jaron Jackson, when you when you can grow a player like that, if he goes like you said from not just being a defensive stopper but becoming an offensive weapon, like a serious offensive weapon like that. The Grizzlies, then they—they—that's something they need to invest in, because that—that's their future. That's their future is having is job being a superstar and Jaron Jackson Jr. being a two-way star, like an mm-hmm. emphasis on two-way. So that 
I mean, that gets me excited, man. It, it's it's possible. I think it's in the it's in the cards. It's there. Just just to finish out, then make a call. Then okay, we'll say maybe we both feel it's Anthony Edwards, but out of this list of players, who do you think is most likely to make All NBA next season? Mm. So officially, you got to call it. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna end it there. I, I I think. Do I? Who do I believe in to make the the jump we talked about the most? I I think I want to say it's. I, I really want to say it's uh, Mikael Bridges. I I, I think that offense is gonna stay there. Um, and that I think that the Nets will be in the play-in probably, with that contribution with their depth. I'm I'm picking Mikael. Yeah, I think that's fair. I was actually, I'm actually tenth to go for for uh, Sharon Jackson Jr. I know. <laughs> well, I think I, I think I'll say I I think in, I think I'll go Halliburton. I think I, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I, yeah. I believe we're gonna see a growth from the Indiana Pacers, and he's a guy that can definitely average like 23 points and 10 assists a game while shooting 40 percent from three. So I think he's a guy for me that uh that could definitely will definitely be in the conversation around uh, around All NBA next year, but uh. Let's get let's get on to the fun stuff. We got a bit of NBA guess who coming up, but before that, we're going into a tier list. You do the tiers next time. We're running late here, man. We're running late. We're running late. We're going. I mean, to, I mean, we, we're, we're taking everyone's time here. I think we got time for the game. We're, we're gonna have to hold that. Okay, we'll we'll hold off the tier list, but it's actually a good one, so we'll hold off on that. But we will we will come back to you next week with a great tier list. But we'll finish off then with our with our new game. A bit of NBA guess who. Chris, you wanna you wanna go first for me? All right, I'm I'm taking the win back this time. I promise you. We, we only we only got two two uh guess who's. And I'm starting off with last year, a guard to average 30 points, four rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block on 50% shooting. He was the only other player besides MJ to do it ever. Who am I? I am Shay Gilgis. Okay, See, I gave you a layup there. I you gave, gave you a layup. me That's such a layup points. right there, brother. You you did me you did me a solid there. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That was a really nice way nice way to uh, to start right, things well, off. You you remembered it, okay? Um, but my my other facts: he was uh, traded after his rookie season for an All Star, born in Canada, as we know. Cousin currently plays for the Jazz. All right, that was. I, I should have. I should have. Uh, you shouldn't have started with that clue. You. you should. Have, you shouldn't have started <laughs> with that clue. That that should have at least been the second clue, I think. But uh, I got one for you now. This is this. This could be really easy, or it or it could stump you a little bit. But you owe me an easy one after last time. I do owe you that. But let's see. Let's see what your what what, what way your knowledge is out of here. I averaged career high in points and assists last year. Twenty four point two points. Five point eight assists while also averaging the most minutes per game in the NBA. Oh, most minutes per game in the NBA. Um, What, what were stats? 24 points and... And 5.8 assists. 5.8. Okay, so that's not Jalen Brunson because he averaged 6.4. <laughs> Don't ask me why I know that. Um, most minutes in the league with that many assists, that many... Points. Who is most minutes in the league? Most minutes in the league. Was it was it uh Darren Fox? It was not De'Aaron Fox. Second clue. Yeah. This should this should this this might make it be easier for I was okay. named the NBA's most improved player in 2019. 
2019. All right, so all right, let's see. Last year, wait, 2019, 2019, 2020, or 2018, no, 2019? 2018, 2019. 2018, 2019. Yeah. Most cool player, 2018, 2019. Oh, that's tough, man. Okay. So let's let's work back the clock. That would have been 2018, 2019. That's pre dude, pre-COVID is is like years, ancient, ancient history. Ancient history. So the year before COVID. Think think of a guy who was COVID. growing as a as a role player on a team at that time and who is now the lead guy of that team. Okay, that, that's a that's a friendly clue. I appreciate that. Um I'm gonna say but but Fred Van Bleek did not have a career year. I'm gonna say uh Pascal Siakam. And you are correct. Oh, okay. Nice, man. I'm happy. I'm glad, I'm glad you got there. I'm glad you that got there. That was tough. Okay. The assist part got that, that did get me. Yeah, you always just think of the guard. Anything, anything over like five assists, you're like, oh, I gotta be a guard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, okay. that, that's the outcome, though, yeah. Most minutes in the league. Him and you know who he was tied with? Kyrie. <laughs> really? Yeah, 37.4 minutes per game. That's insane. That's insane. I, I was as soon as you said minutes per game, I was like, oh, it's a nick. Um, <laughs> all right, you have to get this one. Um, oh, no, no, believe in you. <laughs> this player had the lowest shooting percentage of any three point shooting con- contestant last all star game. Julius Randle, Jesus Christ. All right, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Oh man! You, oh, you give me an me extra up. credit or something. I you, got set no me, you set me up for that when you mentioned it at the start of the pod. You set me up for that when I, I was I had to get get tested on on my on my Knicks knowledge. <laughs> I only have one more for you, but I know you had a third for me, so I'll, I'll let you ask that third that third person anyway. I'll, I'll I'll move on to my my second and final guy for you. This is this is gonna be a bit tougher, but this is a if you think about a team that you like and a, a type of player that you like, you you might be able to get it. So. I am a 10-year veteran of the NBA, a two-time champion, and I won the rings with two different teams. Oh, okay. Drafted in 2013, won two championships with two different teams. With two different teams. So he was either on the Warriors or he was on... Oh, wait. Oh, wait, no. When did, uh, oh man, this is so obvious too. This is, this is the worst part. This is the worst part is, is, is as soon as you hear it, you're like, I, I knew that. Um, give me one more. I was a top 10 pick in 2013, the number eight overall pick. Oh, the number eight overall pick. Oh, my God. This is a good one. 2013. Who's drafted the eighth in 2013? All right. In 2013, I was uh, graduating high school. Who was the Who was the number one pick in 2013? 
graduating high school, I want to say that was like, was that the Jabari Parker draft? No, that was 20. Dude, this is going to kill me. Give me another one. Oh my God. Okay. I'm ready to be so depressed about this. <laughs> uh, never been named to an all-star, all-NBA, or all-defensive team, but no doubt remembered as a crucial member of, of both championship teams. Think of the last five years, the best role players on, on championship teams. Let's see. Oh. 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 Okay. Was it either? Was either the Cavs? Was either the Warriors? Was either Raptors? And he did it on two different teams. Oh no, it's not. I think in five years, so the Cavs aren't involved there. Is it um Ronan? Okay, he won it. He won. Last. He won the title last year. You have ten seconds to guess. Dude, I would be so bad on a game show. I think the pressure just stresses me out. I can't Six, think. Five. It's four, uh, three, two. Oh my god! Okay, who didn't is it? didn't get there. It was Contavious Caldwell Pope. Oh my. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. I should have got there. Ah, it, so it was the Jabari Parker. Was that the Jabari Parker? No, Jabari Parker was 2014, wasn't he? 2014? He was number two in 2014, Jabari Parker, wasn't he? So I think he yeah. was 2013. Oh. Yeah, Lakers and then uh, oh my god, oh, Lakers Nuggets, and Nuggets. Maybe. Dude, that was that was bad. That was a really good one, though. That was a really good one. It's, it's hard to think it on the spot. It's like, because yeah. then you're like, I, I need to know this. Because that was such a good clue, too. Without right, your you clues, of course. Your, your clues uh, just make it nice and easy for me. You got, you got to give me this <laughs> last one. All right. At least a challenge. All right. If you if you, if you you don't get this, you are a national disgrace. <laughs> this, this is, this is, your, this is your, your last question to, to celebrate our final pod with you being in Ireland. Who is the only Irish-born player to ever play in the NBA? It's your only clue. Oh man, I, I do not know his name. This is the guy who played played against Michael Jordan, right? He he played for the Magic in 2002, 62 games. He's a seven foot center. No, no, I'm, I have no idea what his name is. His name like Doherty or something like that. I have no idea. Wait, what I'll, his name I'll, is. I'll give you uh, here, here, about this. Uh, it's a pretty classic Irish name. Give me give me his first name. We'll give you three guesses. <laughs> uh, what is his first name? I don't know. What's the most classic Irish name? Uh, what is it? A classic Irish name? We got uh, James. No, 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 James doesn't know that. Uh, I think I'm Stephen. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not, get it. I'm not gonna Patrick. get it. Patrick. 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 Of course, Patrick. Patrick. What? <laughs> what was his last name? Patrick Burke. Patrick Played sixty-two Burke. games for the Magic. All right. Oh, God. Oh well. Uh, so I, 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 I lost the game. Your national disgrace. 
I am a national disgrace, but I won the game. So that's what's the that's the most important thing to remember when when uh, when we do these sort of things. But uh, I'm sorry, KCP. I apologize. I should have known. <laughs> known. You should have known KCP, but I I ruled supreme first first guess on both of them. I'm I'm I was balling out that's there. That's killing today. it. Yeah, yeah. I was I was feeling good, but that's gonna do it for today's pod. We'll have to get to the tier list uh, on the next episode, but it's gonna be a fun one. So make sure you tune into that. Fun to talk pair rankings. Fun to actually look ahead until the next season while we're still, of course, in the doldrums of the offseason. But always good to talk ball with you. Thanks so much, Chris, for joining me. And thank you all so much for listening. Remember, you like what you're hearing. Like and subscribe. You do that. And we'll keep producing that content. And most importantly, remember, take every shot and love every moment.